Wow, wasn't that an amazing video? Man, I'm so grateful to God for what He's done this year at Zayo Church. Man, all the growth that we've seen, all the baptisms, all the salvations, all the people that have been helped through Zayo Church. Man, can we talk about uh, for the kingdom for a second? What an amazing, amazing thing that God has done. I'm just, I'm just, I don't know what to say. It's been an amazing year. I'm touched by all the lives that have been changed and impacted through the ministry of Zayo Church. And can we talk about the Styles video for a second? And I love Josh and April Styles. What a, what a great job and what a great testimony. I just know uh, their story, it's so impactful. And I know that they represent many who are experiencing life change through the ministry of this church. And man, I'm just so honored to be a part of it. You know, we've seen him do so many amazing things. And here's the reality, church, that he's just getting started. This is only the beginning of Zayo Church in Spicewood, Texas. As we move into this next year, 2023, we stand at this moment with grateful hearts, with changed hearts, and we truly believe that the best is yet to come. And we're even more excited about the future and about what God has in store for us in the future. You know, the amazing thing about God is that he's never done. He's always working. He's always doing something. He's always leading us to higher ground. And the one thing that I say a lot is that, man, I may not be where I, I, I am and where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. He's done something in me. I'm progressing. I can look back on this past year and I can see all that he's done in my life. And I'm grateful to him for that. But you see, God has not called us to stay put. He's called us to move forward, to keep progressing, to keep growing, to keep doing things, to keep walking with Him. And as we do, we will get better and better. So I leave 2022 personally with a grateful and thankful heart. But I enter into 2023 with great expectation for what He's going to do this upcoming year. What He's going to do in my heart, in this community, and in the life of this church. You know, I'm a native Texan, born and raised, and I'm a sucker for all things Texas. I especially love the story of the battle at Alamo. Have you ever been to the Alamo in San Antonio? It's just an amazing thing to witness how they've preserved it over the years and the story that it tells. We just live about an hour away from the Alamo, and I'd encourage you to take the trip and go see it. You can learn about the history of it, and you can be engrafted into the Texas culture. The story goes like this. On February 23rd, 1836, about 1,500 soldiers under the command of Mexican General Santa Ana had 26-year-old Colonel William B. Travis and 189 Texans surrounded at this old mission called the Alamo. Now, Travis, he knew that it was a siege. So he gathered all of the men together and he said, we have three options. One, we surrender. And if we surrender, we risk execution. Secondly, we can run and we can risk getting caught and we can risk getting killed. And third, he said this, and I quote, we remain in this fort. We resist every assault and we sell our lives as dearly 
as possible. Yeah, that's just so awesome. So then Travis, he draws his sword. He takes his sword and he draws a line in the sand. And he says this, and I quote, I now want every man who is determined to stay with me here and die to step over the line. Step over the line. And at once there was a stampede of all the men and they stepped over all the men except one. All the men, all these Texans, except for one, stepped over the line. Now, what would you do? What would you do if your destiny was right in front of you? Would you step over the line? Would you stay in the fight like a hero? Or would you run like a coward? Now, I imagine that for many of you, from time to time, you find yourself in moments like this. This is a very common moment and it just looks a little bit different for all of us. We know what we're called to do. We know what we want to do, but then a battle rises up against us. It resists us and it comes against us. And then it forces us into this place of this fight or flight moment. Now this moment of fight or flight, it's for our destiny. And I'm concerned because I see this and it concerns me. I see too many people running for their from their destiny because the enemy showed up to resist them. It's like forfeiting a game just because the other team showed up. But I consider it an honor when the enemy shows up to resist me. I would be more concerned if he doesn't show up to resist me. You see, if the enemy is there resisting you today, that means that you're doing something worth resistance. I say this often, but you don't get tackled sitting on the sideline. You're in the game. You're making a difference and the enemy sees that and he's coming against you for it. So we're in this fight or flight moment. You know why we enter into that moment? Because of this key moment in our lives where we have this thought, this thought of what if. I'm in the moment and I have this fight or flight moment and I'm tempted to flight because what if, what if? There are what if moments that enter themselves into our lives in the areas that have been promised to us. And instead of fighting for what is rightfully ours, we give it up and we run away. You know, God didn't create you to doubt your destiny and walk away from it. He created you to have faith in your destiny and step over that line and walk towards your destiny. So I, this is where we're at. I see God drawing a line in the sand today as we enter into this next year. And he's asking you, are you ready? Are you ready to stay in the fight? If so, step over the line. Step over the line. The title of the message today is this. Step over the line, church. This is what I believe the Lord's asking us to do. Step over the line. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this word today. Would you teach us how to step over the line and how to ignore the what-if moments of life, to be confident in who you have called and created us to be as we walk out our destiny in you. In Jesus' name, amen. The most dangerous word in the English dictionary, in my opinion, is the word but. But. 
Anytime there's a, a line drawn in the sand and that fight or flight moment comes over us, we all have a but moment, a tendency to doubt, and we start to think, well, but what if? What, what if? You know, one thing I know for certain is that but moments can lead to these what if moments. And the problem is what if moments always lead to regrets. I think the word but was created by the enemy to prevent us from walking out God's calling on our life and to keep us in a constant state of paranoia, constant state of doubt. I believe that every person watching this today, I believe that God's calling you to something big, something greater than yourself. I know this because you're people of God, you're children of God, and each one of you have the call of God on your life. And the call of God is not small, it's not insignificant, it's, it's huge, it's important, it's necessary. He has big plans for you and big plans for your life. And if you don't believe me, maybe you need to start dreaming a little bit bigger. Maybe the beliefs you have for your life and the dreams you have for your life, they're not big enough. If God is asking you to make a difference in this earth, which I know that he is, then Satan wants to lead you into a what if moment because Satan knows that what if moments will prevent you from walking out your destiny. I wonder how many of you watching today have ever allowed these but what if moments to creep in and keep you from doing what you knew you were supposed to do. Maybe it was a career choice, maybe it was a relationship, Maybe it was a dream you knew you were to pursue. You know, it's sad to think how many big God ideas, big dreams that God has given people went to the grave with that person because they had this what if moment. You know, in this day and age, there are a lot of what if moments out there that you can buy into. And what if the economy doesn't come back? What if it takes too long? What if Biden gets a second term? What if, what if Trump gets a second term? What if another virus hits? What if I have to homeschool again? Dear God, help me, Jesus. These what if moments of life, could it be that there is a downside to constantly living in a what if moment? Here's what I know, that one man, out of all these men, one man had a but what if moment at the Alamo and it prevented him from stepping over that line and embracing his destiny. He ran from it. Reminds me of the story in the Bible. The one that I want to read to you today that talks about the danger of having a what if moment. And as we step over the line and walk into 2023, let us not allow these moments of fear, these, these potentialities keep us from embracing what God has for us this next year. So I want to read to you out of the book of Numbers, chapter 13 today, the story of the Israelites when they sent one man from each tribe to go scope out the promised land, the land that God was giving them. Let's read it together. Numbers 13, starting in verse one, it says this. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. I'm giving them to you, note that. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. 
So the, the, the Israelites were promised a land. We just read it here, a gift given to them by God. And they were to take that land over, but yet they had some doubts. They had some question marks. So they thought it might be wise to send some men to go scout it out, the gift that God was giving them before they actually went in and took it over. So what they did was they sent out one stud from each tribe. You know you're not going to send the worst kid. <laughs> you're not going to send the youngest kid, the most unexperienced. You're going to send your stud to go check out this land with the other 12, the other 11. So 12 men go. Verse 17, skip there. It says this. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many, what kind of land do they live in? Is it good? Is it bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they um, unwalled or fortified? How's the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees or are there not trees? Do your best. Bring back some of the fruit of the land. So these studs were given a checklist, a to-do list, a scouting report list for their reconnaissance mission. Get as much intel as you possibly can. What is this gift that God is giving us? What are we about to walk into? Now, I find that it's a little strange considering this was the land that God was giving them as a gift, but nonetheless, they had to do their due diligence according to their elders to scout out this land before they walked into it. And they had some questions that needed to be answered. Let's get down to verse 23. When they reached the valley of Eshekal, they cut off a branch. Here's their fruit, bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them, it required two people, carried it on a pole between them along with some pomegranates and figs. You gotta throw those in. That place was called the Valley of Esachal because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. These grapes were so impressive, they had to name it after the grapes. Man, you gotta check out these grapes. I just love that they included that in on the story, but they're checking the list. This is our reconnaissance mission. Here's some grapes and some pomegranates and some figs. Verse 25, at the end of the 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. Check out these grapes. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us. Check it out. God is no liar. It does flow with milk and honey. And here are them grapes. Check these bad boys out. I just love they keep talking about the grapes. Moses, it's just as good as God said it was. Can you believe that? It's just as good as it's been promised to us. You see, the word of the Lord should have been good enough, but they doubted it. They had this but what if moment. They doubted the word of the Lord and they had to see it for themselves. Now, why is it that God's word is never enough for us? That we always want more. We always want another sign. Well, that sign wasn't good enough, God. Give me another sign. Okay, that could have been a consequence or uh, whatever. It's, 
That's what a coincidence. Another sign. I don't like that either. Give me another sign. We, God's word's never enough for us. We always want something else. We want to see it for ourselves. So they saw, and God was right. Now you would think that that would be the story. Like, okay, they saw, God's no liar. It's exactly how God promised. Let's go take the land. Let's go. But it wasn't. They, they continued down this road of doubt, these but what if moments, and began to expand. And they started to have more doubts. Here it is, verse 28. But, there's the word again. The people who live there, man, they're powerful. And the cities, they're fortified. And they're very large. And we even saw some descendants of Anak there. I can just see the panic, just the disbelief. The Amicalites, they live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, they live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. This must be one of the most depressing accounts of something that was being given to them. This was an account based on fear, not faith. Now, how often do we choose to see something from the vantage point of fear instead of faith? You see, fear is a worldly perspective, but faith is a godly perspective. Some of us need to shift our perspective today. Verse 30, then Caleb, he said, shut up. <laughs> Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take this land because it is ours. It's been promised to us. Let's go take possession of this land for we can certainly do it. Finally, someone with some faith comes into play. Notice, though, how faith always silences fear. We need some people in the church with a little bit of faith that see the situation before them as an opportunity to exercise some faith, not a chance to cower back out of fear. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him they said, man, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. Here's the slander and gossip and rumor mill here about the land that they had explored. They knew that the account of faith was greater than the fear that they started to take matters into their own hand and started to spread rumors to try to spin the narrative that they wanted to spin a narrative based on fear. So here it comes again, fear, fear-based reports. You see, the positive was just too much for the naysayers. So let me institute some, some fear up in here. There will always be some negative Nancys in life. I've experienced that. There's always going to be someone that has something negative, pessimistic to say. Then they said this, the verse continues, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in their own eyes and we looked the same to them. You can see how poisonous the word but is and how dangerous these what if moments can be to a group of people. In this message today, I just, my, here's my goal is to address the fact that there are some unknowns out there 
As we enter into a new year, there's some unknowns, but we can't allow the unknowns to control us. Yes, there are some what ifs out there, but there's also a destiny out there. Yes, there are some uncertainties out there, but there's also some certainties that we can rely on. I'll give you one. His name is Jesus. I believe that God has a destiny for you. God has a destiny for this church. It's time to step over the line and embrace the destiny that God has for each and every one of us. So I want to give you three principles today. We'll give you three principles on why these but what if moments are dangerous and why they prevent you from stepping over the line into your destiny. So here are three things on these what if moments. The first thing is this. These what if moments, they're paralyzing. They're paralyzing. All of the men who Moses sent came back from their trip and they reported what they found, all of them. Look at the twisted thinking of 10 of them. Numbers 13, starting verse 27, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does full of milk and honey. Here is the fruit. Verse 28, but, but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. We saw the Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in their own eyes and we looked the same to them. For these 10, this twisted thinking, the report was delivered out of fear, not faith. They got to see the promised land. Think about that for a minute. You got to see the promised land that your, your ancestors have been talking about. This, this land flowing with milk and honey. You saw the milk and honey. You saw the grapes. You saw how amazing the promised land was. Just let that sink in for a second. But yet they, stood, they still couldn't stop talking about the negatives. They couldn't stop talking about the fear. They kept talking about the giants, the giants that they saw. They got to see this amazing land. They got to see the great things that would bring joy to their tribe and their, their people group. But yet all they could, they could talk about was the things that would bring them death. You see, it's, it was not the giants themselves that kept these 10 out of the promised land. It was their fear of the giants that kept these 10 out of the promised land. You see, the giants did nothing. The report did not say the giants came against them. It was their fear of the giants that did everything. Here's a what if moment for you. What if those giants were actually placed there by God as God's insurance policy to ensure that no one would take over the promised land other than the people of God, the Israelites? What if the giants were actually on their side? Yet they were scared of them because they saw these giants through the lens of fear, not faith. What's your fear keeping you from today? If you feel like you're not able to walk out your destiny, something's preventing you, identify the things that are holding you back and change your perspective today. Start viewing these things through the lens of faith. It's interesting that they said, we went to the land which you sent us, not we went to the land which God had sent us. The problem was they were walking by sight, not faith. With their human eyes, they saw large gates, large walls, large giants. Had they trusted God and viewed these current circumstances through the 
lenses and eyes and perspective of God, they would have seen what God was actually doing and what he was up to. God saw those large gates, those large walls, those large giants as a way to ensure the Israelites could enjoy the promised land that he was giving to them, not keep them out of it. It was a way for them to enter into the land, not prevent them from entering into the land. When we view things from our earthly perspective, we see our problems as giants, and we see ourselves as grasshoppers to those giants. In God's perspective, this is perfect grounds for a miracle. So what if that's true? Well, let's see God move. Let's see him work. We're men and women of God. We're children of God. He's on our side. Let's see him work in a miracle. Why would he do it any other way? Why would it look any other way to us? You may feel like you're a grasshopper in a field of giants today, but I have good news. God is in control of the giants and he's in favor of the grasshopper. So these but what if moments, they're paralyzing. Here's the second thing I want you to write down right where you are today. They're contagious. They're contagious. They're not only paralyzing, they're also contagious. If the past few years have revealed anything to us, it revealed to us that fear is contagious. The people of God believed the 10 spies and they chose to reject the faith. They, were chose, they chose to reject what the Two came to bring this report of faith and they chose to adopt the fear-based report. And they chose to be prevented from even entering into the land. Because they chose the fear over faith, God prevented all of them from ever entering into the land. And they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness to their deaths. Numbers 14, one through four, it says this, that night, all the members of the community, they raised their voices, they wept aloud. All the Israelites, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly and said to them, if only we had died in Egypt. It's one of my favorite sayings of the Israelite people. If only we had died in Egypt, in slavery, in prison, being whipped, or in this wilderness where we're lost, we're confused. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? I think we know the answer to that. Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to slavery in Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader, a new leader. And let's go back to prison. You see, sharing the fear results in sharing the consequences. When you receive a fear-based report, how do you handle it? Do you spread it? Or do you see it from a different perspective? There were two and a half million people, God's people in the wilderness. And all because 10 of them chose to see God's gift through the eyes of fear instead of faith, all two and a half million of them died. You see, fear has its consequences. It's not something that you alone deal with. It has its effects on others, especially the ones who are closest to you. They said, we shall choose a new leader and go back. Fear always leads you backwards. It always leads you to your past. If you find yourself wanting to go backwards, 
there is fear present in your life. Find the root of fear and dig it out. Going backwards in your life and in your journey with God is never a good thing. Moses gave a warning to the people about going backwards. In verse 39 of chapter 14, he says this, when Moses reported this to all the Israelites, they mourned bitterly. Early the next morning, they set out for the highest point in the hill country, saying, now we are ready to go up to the land the Lord has promised. Surely we have sinned. But Moses said, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This will not succeed. You're not, you're not gonna make it. Do you not go up because the Lord is not with you? You will be defeated by your enemies for the Amicalites and the Canaanites will face you there because you have turned away from the Lord. He will not be with you and you will fall by the sword. You see, causing your friends to fear is causing your friends to fail. Have you ever been to a haunted house or watched a scary movie with a group of people? One person jumps and everyone else jumps. They're screaming and then everyone starts to screaming. Because fear is contagious. When you have this but what if moments, it bursts fear into a population where fear was not presently, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't there before. So, so now you have fear that's birthed into a population because you brought it in and now it spreads. If you read the story in its entirety, the Israelites, they were chronic complainers. Their favorite saying was, would we have died in the land of Egypt. I know I'm free. I know I got the, the wind in my face and I don't have chains on me anymore and no one's whipping me, but man, I don't know, this freedom, what would it be like in Egypt? I mean, surely we, it'd probably be better there. And I don't see how they could say that considering the circumstances that they went through. They wanted to stone Moses and turn around several times. My guess is most of the time it started with one or two people and it just spread from there. See, every congregation or group of people, they have one or two complainers. And if those complainers, they get the influence, they can influence the group in a negative direction. I have to tell you, their attitude and reaction is against the will of God. See, when a child of God is in the will of God, there's no place for complaining, even if the circumstances are difficult. The will of God will never lead us where the grace of God can't provide for us, nor the power of God can't protect us. If our daily prayer is that will be done, and if we walk in obedience to God's will, then what is there to complain about? He's in control. You see, a complaining spirit is evidence of an ungrateful heart and an unsurrendered will. You see, by our grumbling, we're daring to say that we know more than God does. We, we know it's better for God's people than he does. So I'm gonna grumble and complain. You see, these what if moments, they're paralyzing, they're contagious, and now let's flip the script, the third point and final point today, they're overcome with faith. They're overcome with faith. This whole time we focus on the negative. The 10 whose fear led them to their death. However, God had two men in the middle of all of this, Joshua and Caleb, God sent 12 and not 10. That's what I'm reminding you today. God sent 12 and not 10. Aren't you glad that God sent 12 and not 10? They recognized that God was in control and there was nothing to be afraid of. When 10 people come to you with a negative account, one that's full of fear, look around the corner for the two that's coming with an account of faith. They were the two 
the only two of their entire generation that got to enter into the promised land. The other two million, they, they died because they believed in the fear. But these two men who had a faith-filled account, they got to enter into the promised land, the, the gift that God was giving them. Numbers 14, 36 says this, so the men Moses had sent to explore the land who returned and made the whole community grumble against him by spreading a bad report about it. These men were responsible for, for, for spreading the bad report about the land were struck down and died of a plague. Verse 38, one of the men who went to explore the land, also Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephaniah survived. The only way to overcome fear is to walk into the fear. See, Joshua and Caleb, they weren't any bigger or stronger than all the others. They just had bigger, stronger faith in God. They really believed that God was in control. Do you really believe that God's in control today? I mean, do you really believe that God's in control? That he's in control of our world, our politics, our economy, our climate. He's in control of your family. He's in control of your life. He's in control of your profession. He's in control of your kids. Do you really believe that God's in control? You see, the 10, the majority, they allowed this but what if moment to overtake them. But two people, two men of God, they knew if God called him to it, he's going to see him through it. Numbers 13, 30 says, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses. And he said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. It's ours. We got this. Sometimes we just need to silence the enemy, silence, drown out the noise and just have some faith. And then in Numbers 14, verse 6, says this, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephaniah, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he'll give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. I'm telling you, that's what we're going to do. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. If you leave now, you'll never enter the promised land. But if we take God at his word and we enter into this land with faith, we'll see that those people are actually for us and anything that comes against us, we're going to devour it. They not only had the strength to say, we're taking this land, but they said, anything that comes after us, we're going to take it down. Today, God wants you to know that he has fully equipped you to devour the enemy of your life. He did it with these men and he's doing it with you today. He has fully equipped you to step over the line and to conquer whatever 2023 has in store for you. It's amazing that he sent 12 people and these 12 people had the exact same experience and circumstances and two of them came back with a different perspective than the other 10. You see, if you live in fear, may I submit to you that maybe you don't have a provision problem, you have a perspective problem. The problem is not that you're not getting what you need, it's that you can't see what you are getting. Your perspective's off. So 
let's not allow the but what if moments to lead us into fear because it's paralyzing, it's contagious, and it can be dangerous. But instead, let's walk in faith. And as we do, we'll step over the line into 2023 with confidence and great expectation. I want to close with this. I started out talking about the battle at the Alamo. I want to finish the story. General Travis, he drew that line in the sand and all but one crossed. In that moment, a young soldier named Tapley Holland, he made the decision quickly. He jumped over that line proclaiming, I am ready to die for my country. You see, these men, they knew what they were stepping into. They were stepping into their destiny, which in that moment was death. And they knew it. We all know what happened. In the pre-dawn of March 6th, Santa Ana, his forces breached the walls and they killed every Texan soldier at the Alamo. Now, I don't feel bad for those Texans who died because they died with honor and they died pursuing their destiny. We talk about William Travis. We live in Travis County. We talk about James Bowie, Davy Crockett. Those are our heroes as Texans. And by the way, you wanna know the actual end to the story? People wanna know why do you celebrate the Alamo? It's because Sam Houston was notified. He was on his way to help those men out at the Alamo, did not make it in time, and he met Santa Ana and his troops as they were leaving the, the Alamo and Sam Houston, the father of Texas, obliterated those troops at that place. So you know who I feel bad for? I feel bad for Lewis Rose. Lewis Rose is the only man who did not step over the line. Lewis Rose. Lewis was filled with fear. And it prevented him from walking into his destiny. He escaped and he probably lived a long life, but he probably died alone and full of regrets. How about you? Do you live in fear or do you live in faith? Are you living out your destiny or are you living out a life that you will one day regret? I see the Lord today, drawing a line in the sand. You're on one side, your destiny is on the other. Where is your next step? Is it backwards to your old way of living? Or is it forward to your new life, the destiny that God has always wanted for you? It's right in front of you, church. It's time to step over the line. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the reminder to not live a life entrenched in fear and worry and buts and what ifs, but to embrace what you have for us, that you've equipped us to be men and women of faith and not fear. So today, God, we take the challenge. We step over the line full of faith with great expectation, ready to see you do what only you can do. So Lord, as we enter into a new year, God, I thank you that you're with us, you're for us, you'll guide us, 
And Lord, I'm excited to hear the stories that will come in this next year as we embrace what you have in front of us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Zayo, I love you so much. Can't wait to see you soon.